Hello, and welcome to the Brave Rebirth podcast. I'm Ash Brooksford, your host, word witch, earth intuitive, and astrologer at Ash Gravity Earth Healing and Three Rapids Apothecary. And I'm so excited that you're tuning in to Brave Rebirth. What's up? And how are you feeling? This is a question I ask every single time I do this podcast. How are you feeling? It's an interesting question that I've been asking, given what I've talked about on the past couple episodes, which is that sometimes I don't know how to tell you how I'm feeling. Sometimes I don't actually have the words to describe how I'm feeling, or it takes me a while to determine how I'm feeling. But I still think it's an important question to ask, honestly, because of that reason. Because so often, I will get on to whatever it is that I'm focusing on, and I will lose a sense of connection to what is happening inside my body. Am I feeling any, you know, certain way? Am I feeling happy? Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling anxious? You know, whatever. I think I talked about on last week's episode, anxiety is usually the easiest emotion for me to identify, but that's also not always what I'm feeling. Um, Even if to somebody else, it might look like that's what I'm feeling. So I want to get a little bit more into that on this week's episode and talk about feelings and tarot and how we can use tarot to help us better understand our feelings. But I just wanted to point out here at the beginning that I always ask this question because I want you to know that your feelings are valid and that if you've gone through your entire life feeling, thinking, whatever you want to call it, that your feelings don't matter as much as other people's do. Oh my God, I totally relate. And it's even more important for you if you have gone through your whole life feeling that way to give your feelings space and to learn how to self-honor and self-validate your own emotions. So if you've never tuned into this podcast before, (laughs) you've probably picked up that we talk a lot about healing here. And this podcast explores the intersections of intuition, shame, healing generational patterns, and cultivating a deeper connection to the universe, including plants, planets, and whatever aspect of nature I'm currently vibing on. Right now, it's the sun. Oh my gosh, the sun came out this morning. I think it's going to get up to like the mid 40s today. And I need it because my dog and I, we walk every week or every week, we walk every day. We go on a two mile walk every morning. And for the last week with the big blizzard and the ice and everything that we've been having, we haven't been able to go on our normal walk. We've only been able to walk in just like a smaller little area. 
and it's hard on her it's hard on me and this morning I went outside and it was actually pretty warm I wasn't worried about slipping on the ice because the sun had melted some of the slush down and we were able to go on a two mile walk and I could just tell she was really feeling it and I was too so I'm really grateful for the warmer weather today even with this um snow that's still around us and thank you so much to those of you who left a five-star review of the podcast on apple podcast and on spotify i really so appreciate it the winner of um, the giveaway for a prize package from my shop three rabbits apothecary has been notified and so um they will be getting their package soon, and I'm very excited to see what they love most from it. So over the past couple episodes, I've been getting into a topic that I feel is pretty personal, you know, to me uh, in what I'm sharing, but I also think it's incredibly important. And I'm just going to start by saying that years ago, uh, before I had my own astrology practice, I went to an astrologer and they told me that I should focus on relationships. I should focus on helping people with their relationships. And he said, people will come to you to learn about how you do things in relationships and they won't even know why you're coming to you. And I thought that was hilarious. I understood why he said it because I have most of the planets in my chart are in the house of relationships and basically the house of self and the house of relationships are the most active parts of my chart. And everything in my chart is basically about relationships. But I find relationships incredibly difficult. (laughs) And I always have. Um, I've had a few long term relationships. Um, I'm actually really I'm in my longest relationship right now. And we've been together for six years and we've been running businesses and both been entrepreneurs throughout almost our entire relationship, which a lot of people are just have no idea how we've been able to make it work. And I talked about a couple episodes back about coming to the realization that I'm autistic and how um, my partner and I had to do a lot of work recently around understanding how we communicate differently with me um, being neurodivergent and her being neurotypical, maybe. I mean, I'm not totally convinced of that. I probably shouldn't say that on here, but we definitely communicate very differently. She's more on the neurotypical side of things than I am, that's for sure. And I talked about on last week's episode how reading tarot for myself to be able to identify my own emotions and my own feelings about what was happening in our relationship has been essential to the success of our relationship. Um, And it's what allowed us to stay together for over six years now, Um, even though we were having a lot of miscommunications and misunderstandings. 
So it's interesting for me looking back because I actually got into this relationship shortly after I got out of another relationship that I talk a little bit about in my book, So You Want to Burn Your Life Down, what happened and how I U-hauled it with a girlfriend. We moved in together. We'd only been dating for a few months. And we moved in with one of my friends and we all lived together in a house. And then because I had a lot of challenges in that relationship, when I got out of that relationship, I, this was before I even met with this astrologer, I went kind of down a deep dive in learning more about relationships, learning how I could be a better self-advocate in relationships. And a big part of the reason why I was in this kind of like self-help kick was because for one, I was really struggling in my relationship. And for another, I had, I was actually really struggling at work too. And so because of that, I came upon the work of Brene Brown and I read The Gifts of Imperfection, which is such an amazing book. I'm such a huge fan of all of Brene Brown's um, work. All of her books have been massively helpful for me. And I think that they are hugely helpful to a lot of neurodivergent people in general. And one of the things that Brene Brown teaches a lot about, if you're not familiar with her work, is shame. She is a shame researcher and she has researched um, like, you know, where shame comes from, how it works in relationships. And there's a quote that I was recently reminded of um, from Brene Brown. And I can't remember exactly what the quote was, but it's something to the effect of choosing discomfort through being honest is better than being dishonest and allowing resentment to build up. And that's probably one of the most helpful things to understand in all relationships, but I think it's particularly helpful for people who are neurodivergent to understand about their tendencies in relationships and why they might have a pattern of being dissatisfied in their relationship or feeling like they aren't being listened to in their relationship or have difficulty setting boundaries in relationships as well. And it makes a lot of sense why neurodivergent people or highly sensitive people struggle with this. And it's because your entire life, you have been told basically that your needs don't matter and that you should be able to adjust your needs to make other people comfortable. And this happens in tiny ways and huge ways. So I'm gonna just share a few examples. I think one of the easiest places to point to is work, okay? So if you are a neurodivergent person, or you're a highly sensitive person and you have a job and you are expected to sit 
in a desk or be at a cash register surrounded by noises and lights and aromas that are overstimulating and overwhelming to you. And if you complain in that environment and you say, I'm having a really difficult time focusing on my work because I am seated next to the kitchen and there's people coming and going all of the time and I'm just having a really hard time focusing, it's highly unlikely that your complaint will be accommodated. And if anything, sharing that kind of a complaint with a supervisor could get you labeled as being like needy or asking for a lot or even like that you're not capable of doing your job, okay? So that's like a real life example uh, from my life. If you go back earlier in your life, you think back to school when you were in school and you were having to switch from class to class in five minutes and you have to get up from your desk and go to your locker, get all of your stuff to go to the next class. And you have to pass through a hallway that's jam packed full of people. And you don't have, you know, just from looking at you, your teachers, everyone, they wouldn't think that that would necessarily be a problem for you. They wouldn't understand why that was overwhelming to you. And if you complain to your friend about like, oh, I just get so overwhelmed when I'm transitioning from one class to another, then they might judge you or laugh at you, you know? And so then you learn, okay, I shouldn't tell people when I'm feeling overwhelmed. I shouldn't tell people when I'm feeling overstimulated because they will laugh at me. You go back even earlier to when you were maybe in daycare or you have went to like an after school program and you were a little overwhelmed from the transition of coming home from school or going to daycare after school, being at daycare, you misinterpreted or misunderstood the games and the rules of the games that um, the other kids were playing. And you maybe felt overwhelmed. And so you might have told like your babysitter or your daycare provider, and then the other kids make fun of you. Okay, so these are all things that have happened to me. These are all real life examples from my life, things that I really struggled with. Okay. And you think about that some of these things, you could say are seemingly insignificant, some of them could be the source of lifelong wounding and lifelong scars. And you've had your entire lifetime of your needs, your discomfort, your uh, feelings basically leading to you being laughed at, ridiculed, judged, shamed, and you learn that asking for what you need is not safe. It's a horrible feeling. I'm really sorry if you have gone through it because it freaking sucks. But you can see how going through a lifetime of that, even if you had parents that were maybe okay with 
helping you to get some of those needs met. So on the surface, it doesn't seem like you would have an issue with this. You then end up in a relationship and you have this lifetime of learning from society, from your boss, maybe from your parents, from your teachers, that your needs don't matter and telling people what you need uh, is only going to lead to further harm to you. You're not going to feel safe telling your partner, hey, I am frustrated by this, I need this to change or whatever. And then on top of that, you might have a partner who even though they love you, they don't get it. They don't understand that being in a restaurant and being surrounded by loud noises is not just a little unpleasant to you, it's like actively harmful to you. They don't understand because that's not their experience. So finding words to describe your own experience can be really helpful. And I think for a long time, tarot really helped me with that. It helped me to understand that what I was feeling and what my partner was feeling were different. And because I understood the language of the tarot, I was able to take the words from the tarot cards and be able to go into a conversation with her and say, okay, I feel like you don't understand how this sensory experience affects me. And I would like for you to understand that this sensory overstimulation is coming from XYZ and it leads to this result of, for example, me having a meltdown. It's not the end all be all because it didn't solve, you know, some of the issues that we were having because it didn't give us the full language, the complete language that um, learning more about neurodivergent relationships has given us, but it definitely laid a really strong foundation. But I can think of one time in particular where my ability to use the cards to understand what I was experiencing and what my partner was missing really helped us. And it was back when we had a bed and breakfast. My partner and I used to run a bed and breakfast in a small uh, town in Iowa called Mount Vernon. And it was a queer bed and breakfast where we were just focused on um, really serving queer clients and having them come into this smaller town and have this like nice romantic uh, getaway. So... We were closed because of COVID, I think, around this time. And we were doing an outdoor event. And there were cameras that were coming. And there was going to be this, like, whole video thing that was happening. And... At the last minute, they changed like the time that they were coming. 
and I had to work that day. I used to work in a shop in Mount Vernon. And so it went from, okay, I was going to have the day and we were going to do the camera crew was going to come and all of that. And then I was going to go to work the next day to all of that had to happen in the same day. And I remember being in the bedroom and talking to my partner and just being absolutely overcome in tears, absolutely having a meltdown. And I'd been reading cars before she came back inside. And I remember just like vividly this conversation of her saying to me, I now understand that when you say you can't do something, you can't do something at the last minute. It's not that you're not willing to, but that it's going to come at a great cost to you. And you're trying to protect yourself. So kudos to my partner for hearing that and um, hearing me out. That was probably one of the conversations that has helped me feel heard and understood throughout our relationship. And that conversation also came as a result of me gaining some language around sensory processing, because I had just learned that I was a highly sensitive person. Okay, so one of the things that worked really well in that particular situation that I think is something that I want to carry forward more into the future of our relationship is that I took time to go into another room and sort out how I felt about things because I have a really difficult time identifying how I'm feeling if I am listening to someone else talk about how they're feeling and they're asking me a lot of questions, okay? And I think in relationships, we often feel pressure to, you know, never go to bed mad, solve problems as soon as they come up. And for neurodivergent people, it's usually more helpful to have some space and some time. And we had to have this conversation, I remember early on in our relationship that I just need more space and time, I need to be able to go into another room, get out my deck, and get out my journal and sort through how I'm feeling, get clear on how I'm feeling separate from her. And so that's not the way that a lot of people do it. But that is what we have to do. And it can be upsetting for the other person in the relationship, because it feels like you are bailing on the conversation or like it doesn't matter to you. And I had to explain this actually matters to me a lot. However, I need to get clear separate from you on how I'm feeling so that I'm able to come to our conversation really understanding how I'm feeling about it so that I'm not being essentially swayed by you and your feelings because it's just so much easier for me to think about because of my lifetime of my needs coming second and my feelings coming second. It's my natural inclination to kind of put my feelings aside and focus on the other person's feelings. So that's one thing I think that's made a really big difference. Another thing that has made a really big difference is I have 
changed my perspective on what I am capable of doing. And I have had to do that for myself separately from her. So I have had to get really clear on my own limits around what I can do every day, around how I need to get my work done. And to recognize my own limits of my energy, basically. And this is what I've talked about in previous episodes around sustainability and how sustainability is one of my core values. And part of the reason why is that I don't have the same amount of energy as other people do. And my energy tends to fluctuate a little bit more wildly than a lot of other people's energy does. I can have periods of time where I am hyper-focused on something and I feel like I have all of the energy in the world to just do this thing, but I can't do it forever. And so I've had to learn how to work with my own my own energy to be able to say, actually, I really want to get this thing done incredibly fast And I might be able to pull that off, but it has to be followed by a long period of rest. Or even better, what I've been trying to move towards and I'm getting closer, I have been working at this for a long time, is preemptive rest. (laughs) Not pushing myself to a breaking point and then taking a rest, but allowing myself to work and rest and work and rest. So part of that means that the way that I get things done is different from the way that my partner gets things done. She is able to go longer and get more done in a day without needing to rest. I need to rest more often. And sometimes that means that I am not emotionally, physically capable of doing something, even if she could look at me and it looks like I am physically capable of of doing it. So recognizing that we have different limits and allowing our boundaries and expectations to be flexible around our changing limits, okay? So like if she is going through a really busy time at work, and she needs extra support, I can provide some of that extra support to her, but she has to understand that that means I can't get certain things done in other areas of my life because I have a limited amount of energy. And so we have to actually have conversations about what it's going to look like, the division of labor between us um, in our house, and what are some things that we're maybe not gonna get done and they're not gonna be a high priority because we know that the energetic load that we're carrying as a household is past the capacity of what we're able to maintain between the two of us. And that means that there are things that are not going to get done. However, she also has to understand that 
that comes at a cost to me when we're not working in our regular routine. And that was something that I think was really difficult for her to understand pre um, this exploration of neurodivergent relationships. And now we have a little bit more language to understanding it. If you've been listening to me talk about how I use the tarot to manage my emotions and deal with things in relationships and basically just understand myself better, and especially if you have tried the Reading Your Inner Family tarot spread and class that I put together um, during the fall of 2022, then I think you'll be really excited about this new mini ebook that I've created. It is my favorite go-to most beloved tarot spreads as a neurodivergent sensitive person. These are the tarot spreads that I use to honor myself, honor what I need, actually understand what I need and how I'm feeling. And inside this little guidebook, you'll find a weekly energy check-in tarot spread, a meltdown check-in tarot spread, a post-meltdown needs assessment tarot spread, a relationship conflict clarity tarot spread, and way more. So if you're interested in learning more about that, you can look at the description in this podcast or head to my Instagram at ashgravity and you'll find it in the link in my bio. So basically, just what I wanted to talk about on this uh, episode is where some of the challenges of getting your needs met in relationships come from. And I've talked a lot about this a lot, like all throughout 2022 and um, different workshops that I've done. For those of you who've been following my work for a long time, you've heard me talk about... um, you know, getting your needs met in relationships and learning to receive love in relationships. And I always felt like there was like something else. And now I understand what that other thing is. It's coming from um, miscommunication, but it's also coming from miscommunication as a result of a lifetime of not being able to get your needs met. So you have an expectation of your needs never getting met. And that is where the resentment in relationships comes from. And that's what kills relationships is when that resentment on both sides has gotten to a point where there's just really no turning back. So as a neurodivergent person in relationships, we do have to be aware of our tendency to put ourselves last And I don't think it comes from necessarily, I think that a lot of people attribute it to a lack of self-love and a wall around receiving love. And that's even how I've kind of explained it to myself in the past, because some of those concepts have been helpful to me. And now I think of it more as a recognition within myself that I have a tendency to put myself last and that tendency comes from my needs not getting met in my relationships and that that has been reinforced even in my current relationship and that it's not coming from a personal failure of my own. I've done a lot of work on how to show up 
in relationships and be there emotionally for my partner. But it's coming from a lack of language and a lack of knowledge about myself and the way that my brain works differently. And that's not something I had any control over. So in a way, I feel kind of a sense of release around this. Um, and also a sense of pride in the work that I've done in emotional intelligence and processing emotions with other people. But I know there's a lot of people struggling with these things in relationships. And the last thing I'll say about it is that part of the reason why I think this is confusing for a lot of people in relationships is that some of you are like me, where you're very good at recognizing how other people are feeling, but you are not very good at knowing how you're feeling and what your needs are. And you don't even feel comfortable expressing what you need because you assume that it will be judged and ridiculed and it, it very well might be. And the only way to really move past that is to learn more about yourself, honestly, and learn more about why you are the way you are and, and to learn some language for how to communicate with a partner about um, what you're experiencing. And to actually have boundaries around like, if I'm telling this person that these I'm having these sensory issues, or I'm having this feeling of not being heard, not being listened to, not being understood, and they're consistently brushing it off. And not taking it seriously. And I have tried to self educate and learn as much as I can. And they're still not taking it seriously. You can't do it alone. The other person has to meet you, you know, in the middle, they have to meet you and be willing to do some of the work too. And some people aren't going to be willing to do that. And I'm grateful that my partner has been over the years willing to learn more about my sensory processing differences. Um, and I'm grateful that we have been on this journey together. And I also know that if she wasn't, I wouldn't be in the relationship anymore. And that is a heavy way to end this episode. <laughs> um, it's a mix of gratitude and also a little bit of tough love that you your needs matter and you have to believe that your needs matter. Okay, I actually wrote about this in my book and I wanted to pull it up and just share a little bit um, from this chapter because I think that's a really nice way to end this episode. Okay, so this is from chapter nine. And so you want to bring your life down. And I, in this chapter, I talk about how I asked for a raise. And my boss told me that I shouldn't be in this job for the money. You can read more about that whole thing in the book. But um, I wanted to share this section with you. 
Getting your needs met has to start with you. If I had acknowledged in that moment that they would never meet my needs in this job, that they had literally told me my needs wouldn't be met, I would have known that the only option was to move on. If it happened to someone else, I know that's exactly what I would have told them to do. It was so much easier to call out injustice for other people than it was to fight for myself. I pushed my needs further down and pretended like I didn't need anything. You might have learned that people love you not having needs. People respect you. People applaud you. When you say, I need a break, you're met with, we need you to stay just a little bit longer. I need a raise is met with, you really shouldn't be in this for the money. I need someone else to share this burden is met with, you're the only one who can handle it. I need to be held is met with, maybe later. My belief that my needs didn't matter wasn't just a self-worth problem. It was something that had been reinforced over and over again in my life. It's no surprise that I had this intense, consuming fear of expressing what I needed. I want you to get your needs met. I want you to be in relationships where people want to help you get your needs met. And I also know an unfortunate truth. Getting your needs met has to start with you. That freaking sucks. It would be so much easier if someone could just help you, if you would just get the raise, if you would just get the break. It would be so much easier if every time you asked for help, someone would be there to help you. Unfortunately, that's not the case. But this can also empower you. It's an opportunity to take your power back and liberate yourself from a life of not having needs. So I hope you enjoyed that. And, um, and yeah, thanks for being you.